It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening, and thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, brought to you by Built Bar, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to our Colorado Avalanche, and today it is Friday, but we are not doing a Fan of Friday segment, Uh, just kind of taking a break from that, and we'll do that here and there, not every single week, just because like the rest of... What's going on in hockey? There isn't a heck of a lot going on uh, in in the world in general. So um, I'll have I'll still have some fans on, but right now people really are all doing the same thing, and that's basically quarantining themselves, or at least they should be, um, and watching Netflix. So hopefully they're watching the uh, the shows that I have been recommending here and there on this show, um, and doing whatever they're doing to keep themselves and everybody else safe. But that doesn't mean we don't have some hockey news to get to. Uh, We will talk about, what are we going to get to today? We'll talk about the Colorado Avalanche and the the Altitude Network doing these uh, virtual games. And I had Kyle Sullivan on now, and he was talking about the first one that they did, and they did another one the other night against the Wild. Uh, We'll talk about that. And the production value of it is phenomenal. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about um, Mr. Ryan Graves being on the sports social show, which is, is really excellent. And I really hope they keep that going. I don't know if they would do – I mean, those shows are about a two-hour uh, haul each episode. I don't know if they'll keep doing that. I don't know if they'll keep doing it at all. But this thing started when the quarantine began, so I hope that they keep that going because there's some really good stuff – in that show, especially when it comes to the Avalanche and Ryan Graves, uh, went on and talked about, well, he talked about himself and he talked about Camel Carr and we'll get into some of the things that he talked, talked about specifically, um, a very good article over on mile high hockey about kind of looking at the draft and, and a, a different way in terms of how it could benefit the Colorado Avalanche, believe it or not. Uh, so, um, we'll get into that. And then why not go back? It's not exactly to the year, but it's a year and maybe a couple of days when Gabe Landeskog hit that overtime goal in Game 6 against the Sharks to send it back to San Jose for that now infamous Game 7. Uh, so we'll play the audio from that. Always great to go back and revisit that game. So we'll get to all of that stuff. But before we do, like always, follow the show on Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche. Follow on Instagram, search for Locked on Avalanche, and send questions, comments, concerns, opinions, whatever is on your mind to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. So the real quickly, the, the Avalanche have done a, a few of these now. Uh, I'm not going to say where they got the idea. Maybe from a certain podcast. Maybe I'm uh, maybe puffing my chest out a little too much on that. I highly doubt they did, but... There was a podcast around that was kind of doing something like this 
you know, pretty much as soon as the the season was suspended. Uh, not to the level of what Altitude is capable of doing. Uh, because said podcast does not have access to specific things like announcers, ringside announcers, uh, Alan Roach, uh, and the like. So uh, they do it better. And, you know, what I did was just for, you know, for fun. And and people enjoyed it. And I just threw a game up on uh, the YouTube channel. Uh, and that was it. And just let the game play. Whatever game was supposed to be played, that's what I, I played. And they were entertaining games. And uh, what Altitude has done is really stepped it up. Um and really brought pretty much the entire altitude production to a uh, NHL 20 virtual game. And like I said in the beginning, Kyle, who's been on the show numerous times now, has has mentioned this the first time they did it. And he told me then that he goes, it was really good. Like, you really should watch it. And I finally got around to watching this one. And they do. They, they, they do everything. And if you listen to that Fandom Friday when he was on, he said, you know, they do the the uh, national anthem, kind of player introductions, and they really do. Uh, they have um, the the uh, his name's escaping me now, but the, the guy that re- that does the the national anthem before the games, he's in his house. So they're, I mean, they have him recorded doing it, uh, and they they put that out there. Um, they they have the uh, Mark Moser and Peter McNabb. Doing the play-by-play, they have Alan Roach. Anytime there's a goal, doing his his thing for uh, when it, when there is a, a, an avalanche goal, and it's great. It's it's it it holds you over. I mean, this is this is the stuff that we have to do, um, and it's entertaining. And the game that was on it was against the Minnesota Wild, and Avs won it two to one. It was a, a JT Comfer goal, I think, with like 30 seconds left that had won it. But uh, in most of the games that I did for that, it's like it's almost like the AI knows you want to watch a fun and interesting game. Um, and there were a, a handful of games that really like stuff was happening in the last minute or two that really kept you watching. So, you know, credit to EA for putting the AI in there that keeps people engaged. I think there was one game, I think it was against the San Jose Sharks that I did, that the Avs got blown out. But there were some games where they were down by three with three minutes left and came back and won it. And the other way around, they were up by two uh, with with a couple minutes left and lost, which was you know so true to life for this year in the Colorado Avalanche with blowing third period leads. Uh, but it's just, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, McNabb and Mosier really put, everything into it and it's you know they, they, they're having fun with it but you can tell there's some seriousness to it too so it's it's just a really cool thing that they they do um i don't know if it's the same time every week or i haven't really like kept up with it but if you follow them on on any social media they'll post whenever they do it next they, they could do it i don't know every wednesday or something like that or maybe once every few days i don't know if there's a rhyme and reason to how they do it or why they do it. Um, I know why they do it because we need some sort of hockey. So, uh, and, and, I, and I hope, I don't know if some other teams are doing it. I'm sure there are some other teams that are, 
but it's just a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun to be engaged in it. And it's uh, over on YouTube, so you can uh, have conversations in the comments with people while it's going on, which is, you know, a lot of fun to stay connected with the Avalanche fans. And like I said, this is just stuff that we need just to hold us over and whet the appetite until we get the real thing back. But kudos to uh, to Altitude and everybody that takes that takes part in that for taking my idea and blowing it up. Totally kidding there. It's It was not. Well, I mean, it was my idea, but I, I highly doubt they stole it. They probably don't even know who I am. Uh, and quickly over at um, Mile High Sticking, there's a, a really good article on Ryan Graves. If you get a minute, go check it out because it, it, it summarizes uh, his time on the Sports Social show. And I, I don't really see a lot of uh, interviews with, with Ryan Graves. So it was really good to get, just see him and hear him talk because he's, he's like one of those like lost guys uh he, he's big to the avalanche obviously but you don't you know everybody's going after the Gabe Landeskog's or McKinnon's after the game especially uh Kale McCarr and he talks about that and the one thing that he talks about is well he talks about Kale McCarr specifically doesn't talk about how he doesn't get a lot of publicity I don't think he really cares about that and when you and you when you listen to him you see how, just how calm, cool, and collected he is, and he doesn't want the limelight. He'll leave that to McKinnon and McCarr and stuff like that. But they're, they're, the, one of the things that you forget is when Kale McCarr came up in the playoffs, he came up because, well, he was probably going to come up anyway, but Sam Girard had gotten hurt. And under any other circumstance, Graves probably would have been the next guy to come in but the timing of it was Makar was ready to go, and it was a, a kind of a last-minute decision. They didn't make a decision until that morning if it was going to be if Makar was going to be that guy. And it turned out obviously he was, and and so many other guys would have taken that as what am I doing here in terms of Ryan Graves? But he was it wasn't him. That's not how he's built, and he was happy. For Kale McCarr, and he knew he knew you know this is a crazy time. He is a top line pick, and give him a shot, and I'll come back next year. And that's exactly what he did. So if you have time, definitely go uh, listen to the Sports Social segment with him. He gets into a lot of other things, but mainly he, he does talk about McCarr quite a bit and his fondness of him, which is odd because he McCarr is the younger of the two, you know, by a few years, but um. It's good. It, it's it's ju- it just shows you how connected the these players are and this team is. So definitely check it out when you can. And another thing that everybody should be checking out once again is Built Bar, uh, guys. I've been saying it all week. Built Bar is pretty much the the new guy on the block when it comes to protein bars and nutrition bars. But I fully expect them to be the go to for. Anybody that's looking for uh, some nutrition in a great tasting bar. No longer do you need to go after those chalky, disgusting nutrition bars. Built Bar, somehow, some way, has created a amazing tasting energy bar, nutrition bar, that tastes like a candy bar. And I have tried Almost all of the flavors. They've came out with a couple new ones that I haven't tried yet, which I'm itching to get my hands on. But it's I it's very difficult for me to pick a favorite because every time I have the next one, 
that one becomes my favorite. So they have knocked it out of the park with these flavors, how they're made. It's just a new take on nutrition bars, and you guys got to try them. And kind of a way to get you to get them into your house is an offer that you can take part in when you go to the uh, lock visit builtbar.com and enter the promo code locked on $10 off your first order. Just enter the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N and you get $10 off your first order at builtbar.com. Try them out. If you're into nutrition bars, you will not regret it. They are fabulous. My name is Paul Stewart, a third generation Irishman from Dorchester, Mass. I made it to the NHL as both a player and a referee. I was even elected to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. When I was skating, I had my share of lumps and bumps. I gave a few back, too. As a stand-up old-school guy, I've always been hesitant to try fads, but recently I became a big fan of a company called Easy Feeling Wellness. A hockey buddy sent me 1,000 milligrams of intensive relief rub. Easy Feeling markets a line of natural plant-based hemp extract products, including gummies, soft gels with melatonin, and tinctures. Their motto is to enjoy every day, which all of us banged-up baby boomers and old skaters can relate to. Easy Feeling products are non-addictive. They don't get you high, and they're perfectly legal. Give Easy Feeling a try by going to easyfeelingwellness.com. They will even give you 20% off your first order by using my special code, PS20. Easy Feeling Wellness. Enjoy every day. Don't Luca now. But the Los Angeles Clippers might be in trouble. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Dallas Mavericks forward Luka Doncic dropped a triple-double and an overtime buzzer-beating three-pointer to tie their series with the Los Angeles Clippers. You have to listen to Locked On Mavericks today for a very hype Nick Angstadt. To the NFL, where 77 positive COVID tests from 11 teams were re-examined by a New Jersey lab. All of those tests have now come back negative. For the latest on the NFL's quest to return, subscribe to Locked On NFL and the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show. And finally, sources tell ESPN's Adam Schefter that Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson missed two training camp practices due to a groin injury. Listen to Locked On Ravens for the latest on the reigning MVP and why the team released Earl Thomas. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so over on myhighhockey.com, good article and a good take on what the NHL is planning on doing with the draft, which is not set in stone, but we kind of have an idea of how that they're, they're wanting to do things, which is probably the way it's going to happen. Um, unless something else comes out, but everything that we're hearing is this kind of older system from, uh, what, eight, nine years ago when it was, you draw, everybody's lined up in, 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 in order of record basically. And one ball is drawn and that the one ball that's drawn wins the, the lottery and they've changed it to, they're drawing three balls. We all know the system because the Avalanche have, we for the short term, been on the losing end of it, uh, come draft time, been on the winning end of it with who they've gotten in Bowen Byram and Camel Carr. But they, they, they seem to be going back to the system of just drawing the one one ball 
and that team gets, well, I shouldn't say that. That team doesn't necessarily get the number one pick. And this is where it gets interesting, and this is the the gist of the the article over here. And it makes a good point because the if if you are outside the top five in terms of percentage of possibility of getting the top pick, you do not automatically move into number one. You the most you can move up is four spots. For example, we'll take teams that are in the the uh, Colorado Avalanche division, namely the Chicago Blackhawks. The Blackhawks right now sit at if if the draft just goes like chalk. Say say Detroit wins the lottery, they would be number one anyway. They they have the best probability of getting number one. Nothing changes one all the way through. So at in that order, Chicago is number nine. So Chicago Chicago would be number nine. Okay, so if the, if their ball is drawn. They the most they can move up is four spots. They do not move up to number one. It, it's it's odd. It's weird, uh, but that's how this works. So last Friday, NHL memo let it be known that last year's uh, lottery odds would still apply, but only for the first pick. That would give the worst team, Detroit, an eighteen point five percent chance of winning the number one pick but an additional 38.5% chance of retaining number one if a team outside the top five wins the lottery. That means they have a 57% chance overall. So if Chicago were to be that team that the ball drops, Detroit still holds on to the number one pick, and Chicago moves up to number five. So every team, and and that's the best odds for anybody in uh, the Avalanche division. So the best a team from Colorado's division can do is number five in the draft. That's the best that they can do, which, okay, I mean, if you have a number five pick, that's pretty good. But there are, this is, say that doesn't happen. There's a very good chance that that won't happen. And if it doesn't, which we, I mean, any I, let's say anything is possible. It's a lottery. Anything is possible. We've know we see that it's happened to the Avalanche twice. So here's the thing: if nothing happens, if either Detroit or Ottawa, who has the second best odds, that ball's drawn and it's them, or it's any other team, Blackhawks stay at nine, and everybody else falls in line past them when it comes into the Central Division. And the point that this article makes, and it's a very good one, is this draft is top heavy with offensive talent and. All those players are going, they will be gone by the time the Blackhawks pick at number nine. That benefits Colorado, clearly, because the Blackhawks, they'll get a good player at number nine. Let's not kid ourselves, but most likely not one of the top. They're the top four or five, maybe pushing six guys, are all should be gone offensively wise should be gone by the time Chicago picks. So, yeah, Chicago get a good guy, but not one of those transcendent players that they would get if they were picking number five. That clearly benefits Colorado because your your opponents are not, or your, your rivals in your division are not getting instantly better like they would if they were picking in the top five. 
It's a good good way of looking at it. I didn't really think about that, uh, but that's that's an excellent way to to look at the, how all of this stuff is like kind of coming together. And these are things outside of the avalanche that you know I don't think about a lot of the times. My my mind is always set on the avalanche, but this is this makes a very very valid point. You you want I mean you you're going to be paying attention to who your opponents are going to be selecting come draft time are you not so if you can if you can get get them to stay where they are yeah they'll get a good player but it's it's not going to be one of those those top flight top five guys so uh, good I think that's good work that's that's good good reporting that's that's a good way to think of it. Uh, because the Avalanche are, you know, they are going to be picking, what, 27, 28, who knows where they're at. But they're very late in the draft. So they'll get a guy, who knows what route they're going to go. But they'll get a guy that, you know, may, maybe will need some seasoning. But it, it really doesn't, whatever, whoever they get in the draft is just kind of gravy on top. Uh, a guy that you know the the Blackhawks need is someone to come in and kind of be a guy like right away they might not get that at nine they would get that at five still possible that they get to five but it's just a a thinking outside the box type of thing so very interesting very interesting and we, we will see and all signs are pointing to the NHL wanting to rush this draft uh in terms of when they're having it so I think a month from now we're going to have this draft. And uh, by then, hopefully we know what's going on with the season because that's just as as important um, as the draft itself. All right, and finally, it was just about a year ago, a little over a year ago now, where uh, Game 6, San Jose, Colorado Avalanche in Denver, Colorado, and it was one for the ages. So let's uh, let's get to the the audio and the grand finale. Mr. Captain Gabriel Landeskog with the overtime winner. Nyquist put that one across the top of the crease. Dylan to Carlson. Stopped by Grubel. Rebound put wide. Puck knocked off his stick. Nice play by Burns. Barry trying to force it free again. And he'll collect on the near side. Here's a long shot from the line, hit the post. Zadorov. Ten seconds to work with here with an offensive zone faceoff for Colorado. Puck in skates. McKinnon comes up with it back to Barry. Long shot. Oh, it went off the outside of the post after pinballing its way towards the goal. Johnson tied up. Comfort able to tap the puck back. Cole. Gets it through to Comfort, who's in on the right wing. JT Comfort centers. They score! Tyson Jost! Trying to move it. Barry got in his way. Here's Landeskog. Ahead to Ranton. Barry jumps up in the rush. Drops back, McKinnon with a shot, and a blocker saved by Jones as that one fluttered through. Burns plays it around for Nyquist, who chips one to center for Timo Meyer. Moving in on the car, Meyer turns on the Jets. Poke check by Grubel, rebound, they score! Mark Edward Vlasic was there for the loose puck. The trailer finds the open net, and game six is tied at one. It's challenging that there was goaltender interference. Burns is 
So here's the poke check, and then Meyer does drag the right skate. The right skate comes through and takes his stick and, and pad out a little bit. Happens so quickly with that. Poke check of Grubauer extends that stick. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice is confirmed. There is no goaltender interference. We have a goal. Colorado loses our timeout. And for Meyer, Johnson trying to stay with him. Timo Meyer cuts to the slot. In on goal. Couture stopped by Grubauer with the right pad. Dumps one in deep. Soderbergh near corner. Puts the puck on the forehand. Finds some room. Tees it up. Comfort scores. And then he holds on to it, doesn't force a play, work around low, excellent work by Soderbergh, gets the feet moving, and it's the one-timer. Able to force the puck out past Eric Carlson. First career multi-point playoff game for JT Comfer. Here's Eric Carlson trying to set up a late chance. Burns, scores! Sharks answer right back with 10 seconds to go in the period. Brent Burns makes it 2-2. Both teams completing changes in the neutral zone as Johnson flips one ahead. Dylan tried to punch it away. Here's Broussard, teammate in front. They score! JT Comfer again! Point on every goal that's been scored by the Avalanche, and he's got two of them himself. Just a chip, a little lob into the zone. Aggressive forecheck here by Wilson. This puck bounces to Broussard, and he finds Comfer. But... Hurdle spinning with a shot. Grubauer made the save, then it was knocked up in the air. I'm not sure that would have counted, but he made the save anyway. Here's Soderbergh moving in. Carl Soderbergh with a shot, missed the net. Puck is on the back of the goal. Abs jarred free, but the Sharks take away. Now they turn it over. Turning with a shot, fought off the left shoulder as Broussard had that chance. Looking to tie the game late. Couture down into the corner. Nyquist, Couture takes the puck behind the goal, tees it up. They score! Vlasic with his second of the game. And with 2.28 to go, San Jose has pulled even at three. Scott without a stick because he had to hand it back. For a little bit of the shift, eventually he gets one back. But it's the right time, which it is. 1.5 seconds left. Scott trying to get it back to McKinnon. It's not going to happen. And this game is going to overtime. Tips it into San Jose territory. Carlson. Fell down, and the Avalanche player fell on top of him. Eric Carlson's lost his helmet. Here's McCarr with a long shot. Loose in front. They score! Landon Skog! The overtime winning goal. Puck to the net, funnel to the net, finish it off. A lot of goals have been scored that way in this series just by getting to the net on shots from the blue line. And young Kel McCarr, in his first ever overtime game, puts it to the net and Landis Scott puts it home. All right, there you have it. Don't you love how the, the final call is because Kel McCarr was so new? The the onus was on Kale McCarr's uh, getting the assist rather than uh, Gabriel Landeskog's game-winning goal. Love that. So every, everybody was in Kale McCarr mode, and understandably so. But I just love how uh, at the very end there, it's it's the focus on Kale McCarr a little bit more than the game-winning goal by Gabe Landeskog. But still, uh, again, 
love going back to these things. And when you listen to them, you're just like, let's get this season back so we can have more of those moments. Uh, we're missing out on stuff like that. But uh, that game was just a just such a great atmosphere, you know, and, th- and that's what playoff hockey is all about. Uh, that's what, you know, have, just games in, in general for the playoffs are incredible. It doesn't matter. For me, I could watch any playoff hockey game, and, and it, they're just amazing. But when your team is in it, and a game like that, a do-or-die game, you're pushing game seven. It's just uh, it's, it's unrivaled. And then we all know what happened in game seven. Still controversy to this day. Uh, I'm to the point where, you know, you're, you're in the acceptance phase of, uh, of, of everything, of what happened. And I think just forever it's going to be like, okay, who, who's your allegiance to? Uh, you know, if your allegiance is to the Avalanche, uh, it's a BS call. If your allegiance is to the Sharks, it's, oh, they made the right call. Uh, I think they would agree it was a BS call, but by the letter of the law, it, it was a right call. So, and do you make that call in playoff hockey? That's my argument. No, you do not. So, so I hate to end it on a downer in that aspect, but let's go back to the game six, six Gabe Landeskog overtime winner. That's how we're going to end it on that note, which is a much better note. So that's going to be it for this week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week with another week of shows, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for now. Uh, and yeah, enjoy the weekend. If anything happens, we'll be sure to talk about it on Monday until then stay safe. Here's Joby. Go, Abs, go!